0: Hello again, nonfiction friends! We couldn't let March go by without celebrating Women's History Month, and that means we've browsed the biography section for our books on inspiring women. Josh and I have both picked a person to discuss, but first, Josh I want to ask you some questions.
1: I'm ready to answer some questions good. maybe good I'm glad. I didn't study for this test.
0: That's a lie
1: Well I, the notes before a you bit. say
0: that is a lie
1: Oh well
0: <laughs> um, So do you have any uh, personal heroes women heroes?
1: I do mm-hmm. uh, one of the original people that I was trying to do research on for today's podcast, uh, was Eliza Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, she helped uh, fund uh, start the first New York um, private uh, orphanage, oh. and she raised helped raise funds for the Washington Monument. Yes. Uh, and I also uh, wanted to do research on Margaret Hamilton, who wrote uh, was help well helped record with along with the team of people uh, the lunar landing code for the Apollo missions. Oh. Really cool, because you when you look up her name, you see pictures of her and the coding, and it's like as tall as her,
0: mm-hmm. which is
1: a lot, a lot, a lot of coding. Yeah. And I think it was a really amazing thing, and I really wanted to do research on them.
0: Uh-huh. But what happened?
1: Alas, it wasn't meant to be. As I was starting to uh, look up books for them, we didn't have books on any books on Margaret Hamilton, which was a shame. Yeah. And then... When I was looking up Eliza Hamilton, oh, just as a note, they're not related. Not related. Not related. (laughs) Two completely different time periods. True, it's true. The Eliza Hamilton, the book that I was looking at was called, um, I believe, Ladies of Liberty. And when I was looking her up, they cited some pages to look her up. And I was like, okay. So I looked at those pages and everything. And it had a whole bunch of women in there like Martha Washington Mm-hmm. Um, however, when I arrived at the sections where she was mentioned, it was just in mention in lieu of her husband, Alexander Hamilton.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: yes. it was, I can't express how frustrating it was trying to do research on her without her husband coming up. Yep. Where it was just, they couldn't celebrate her accomplishments without her being in the shadow of her husband. Yep. And oh, I was I was getting so angry.
0: That's the struggle, man. That's the whole point of Women's History Month, singling yeah. out women for their achievements without their.
1: But you figure if you title the book <clears throat> "Ladies of Liberty," you're right. going to talk about the ladies, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> not their husbands.
1: The, the the also the same thing happened with uh, Martha Washington. They couldn't stop talking about George Washington. It was just George Washington, George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, and then just a little snippets about. Their wives. And I was just kind of let
0: down. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so who did you pick to talk about today, then?
1: I chose Amelia Earhart.
0: Of course. Nice.
1: So, my book, Amelia Earhart, mm-hmm. uh, is... Uh, wait. What, mm, it was a guy? T- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, that, is that what it's called? Amelia no. Earhart? Well, oh, okay, no. The title of the book is Amelia Earhart, The Thrill of It by Susan Wells. So... For those of you who may not be familiar about Amelia Earhart, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, because she's really amazing. It's true. She is the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean, the first person to fly solo across the Pacific, and the first person to cross both oceans alone in an airplane.
0: Wow.
1: Now, she vanished mysteriously in the Pacific in July 1937, but we'll circle back to that later. Mm -hmm. So a few facts about her as I was reading this book. Um, a few things you might not know. She was not only a pilot, mm-hmm. she was a poet.
0: Oh. Yeah,
1: a photographer. Nice. Hospital worker. Oh. Truck hauler.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Fashion designer and social worker.
0: Interesting. Wow, yeah. she did a lot.
1: Yeah, she was a really amazing person. Uh, she was born in 1897. She was a student of chemistry, physics, and medicine. Wow. And uh I wrote a quote here from her. Um when asked why she wanted to take off on these solo flights, um, she was quoted and saying, Because I want to.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Valid. (laughs)
1: Um and in high school she had the nickname The Girl in Brown Who Walks Alone. Oh. I know. Oh.
0: That's kind of a poetic name for her though.
1: I know. It's really cool.
0: So she flies alone now.
1: Uh I, when I was reading about her, she kind of reminded me of uh, Ellie from Up. You oh, know, yeah. The movie? yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I bet that's not a coincidence.
1: I probably not. I highly doubt. Especially it. Especially
0: with the aviator goggles that she wears. Instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So in her early life, um, when she first started getting into airplanes, she first saw a plane in action when she was just invited by someone in the Royal Flying Corps who admired her horsemanship. Oh. She's very good with horses. So
0: She's good with horses too. Yes. Wow.
1: And to play a trick on her, um, she was standing, like, kind of in the runway. So he kind of, like, angled the plane down at her to make it look like it was coming down at her. But she stood her ground, and she wasn't scared. Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
1: So after that, she kind of just stayed around the airport there, the airbase, and she just watched planes fly. She was very fascinated by them, loved being around them. Mm -hmm. But her first... um, Wanting to fly came after attending a flying expedition. Um, she was invited by someone to uh, ride a plane. She sat in the front seat and she absolutely loved it. Begged her parents to get her flying lessons. Mm-hmm. Now, how much do you think these flying lessons were?
0: Um, five dollars.
1: Um, well, <laughs> a little more than that. <laughs> Uh, I would say multiply that by 100.
0: Oh, wow. For back then, that's a lot of money. Yeah.
1: And so, and it's only for 10 to 12 hours of instruction. Wow. Kind of like school. Right. (laughs) Kind of like college. Yeah. (laughs) She wanted to be taught by a female pilot, a pilot. So they found uh, someone who was roughly the same age as her, her name, by the name of Nita Snook. Uh, Nita Snook was the first woman ever accredited by Virginia Curtis School of Aviation. I, th- I wanted to highlight her a little bit because she's a really cool person. She also bought and rebuilt her own plane that she flies currently. Wow. And I just thought, I was like, holy cow, that's that's amazing. And the plane she bought is roughly around, I wanna say $1,000, mm-hmm. about that time period. Wow, So not cheap no. by any means. So Amelia's first plane that she owned uh, was about $2,000. It was called the Airster. Goodness. Yeah, um, a lot of money, more than uh, Nita's plane, which is a a Canuck. uh, If you want to give about a comparison, a Model T Ford costs about $370. Wow. So (laughs) airplanes, a lot more. Right. She spent all of her savings to buy this plane and she it? named it the Canary because it was bright yellow. Oh. Yeah. So we're going to move on to sort of the her last flight. Uh, June 1937, she leaves from Miami, Florida with Fred Noonan, her navigator. Uh-huh. Uh, July 2nd, they're in New Guinea. They leave New Guinea and she disappears near Howland Island. Now... I have here in the book, and the book is actually cool, because it actually records um, uh, some of her last transmissions. Oh. And so I thought I'd read a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. So she's about, she's due to be at Howland Island about, I want to say, 6.30 a.m. Okay. So, like, right when, like, the sun is coming up.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So about mm, 6.14 She radios in that she's coming in on this bearing, and that she'll whistle into the microphone when they're about 200 miles out. Oh. Now, the. It. Man, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. There's a boat there positioned um, around uh, Howland Island that's supposed to like uh, bellow black smoke to signal, you know, to come this way. Uh huh. And so she's radioing the boat. However, the boat wasn't able to um, receive her transmissions clearly enough. Oh, no. The boat's name is the Itisca. I don't think I'm saying that right. (laughs) Meh. No. Anyway, (laughs) so about 6.45 a.m. So Uh that's 15 minutes past when she was supposedly Uh um, supposed to arrive. Um, She radios in, please take bearing on us and report in half an hour. I will make a noise in the mic about 100 miles out. So she's running a little behind, but... They're getting transmissions from her, okay. at least. But by this point, she's been flying her plane, the Electra, uh, for over 18 hours, which is <laughs> a, a long, long time.
0: time. Oh, my gosh.
1: So more than 60 minutes after she was expected to land, she broke in. She was calling the, uh, the boat, saying that they must be on them, but they can't see them. And the gas her gas was running low. Oh, no. And then she said that they were flying about 1,000 feet. So she keeps radioing and saying they're circling, trying to find um, the bow, trying to look for the smoke signals, mm-hmm. can't see them, uh, repeatedly saying that they're running low on gas. Um, so...
0: This is intense. I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so she started receiving some of the signals from the and, um, but she wasn't able to get a bearing on their location. Uh-huh. So what she does is she gives them the bearing on the line that they're heading on, which is one five seven three three seven, and then she said she'd keep repeating the message um, on a cycle to wait. And then a minute later than that, she says we are running a line north and south. Then after that, there was nothing. Oh no. Yeah. So after she disappeared, um, there was after that transmission. There was two hours of silence. Oh no. And they had feared the worst. Uh Uh-huh. So they uh, got permission to start scrambling and searching for her Uh Um, on all frequencies. They started, um, a couple of islands in the air reported getting signals that um, sounded like a female voice, um, not confirmed, uh, kind of like an SOS. Yeah. And... What I thought was interesting is that uh, when they started doing the hunt for her, started searching for her, they consulted, like, psychic help. Oh. Yeah, because someone had a vision of her, like, she's north of the island. Um, she's okay. She's just, like, in a raft or something, uh-huh. and she's, they're fine. And they, they said her, um, her co-pilot, Fred Noonan, was actually just he bumped his head but they're both fine oh. so they look there nothing and this is this is actually interesting because they consult over the um, course of trying to search for her they consult many psychics and otherworldly means
0: interesting to
1: find her so much so um, this was actually one of the biggest naval efforts to find one like plane ever because I think they just disc- they scrambled like... A couple of carriers, six destroyers, to find her. Wow! All in all, they covered 250,000 square miles.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And and with no luck. Now, I know some of you are thinking that uh, recently they found they discovered her bones um, on an island uh, nearby, and I looked into that. I couldn't find any sort of confirmation now these bones were found uh years ago Uh the only reason you're hearing about them now is because new research was done uh on those findings and they think that it's probably her until refuted
0: interesting
1: um however those bones are actually missing Oh, my so goodness. So the research that was done on them recently was based on the findings, not actually done on their actual bones. Because
0: somebody lost the bones.
1: Yeah, the bones of...
0: Or someone took them. Who, who knows? That's interesting. Did they find the bones in the water or no, they on were, land? No,
1: they were on an island. I forget the name of the island.
0: Um, you would have thought they would have looked on that island.
1: Yeah. They yeah, they found, like, a couple of artifacts there. Yeah. Um, I will say that um, her parents did exhaustive amounts of searching. Yeah. So much yeah. so, um, Nita, her original trainer for uh-huh. her pilot, came to uh, Amelia's house where her parents were at, and they, she could tell like her parents were just frantic. Yeah. They had maps on the walls. they were obsessed. They it's they offered cash reward. I think two thousand dollars. Someone actually turned in uh, saying that, like, here's her scarf, and uh, she's, she's been captured by, I don't know, the Chinese or something like that. Aww. And turns out that was a hoax yeah. just to claim the reward. Aww, her that's scarf mean. actually flew off before she took off, uh-huh. and so someone just turned that in. Uh, Gosh, that's yeah. sad. But there's tons of conspiracy theories that, like, she was working, like, undercover for the military, you know. Oh, my goodness. It, it, it gets – there's crazy. The book explains so much more of this. You have to check this out. It's very interesting. I went down so many rabbit holes just right? trying to do research and reading <laughs> about this stuff.
0: Yeah, my mind is already turning, like, okay, so she's tired and she's running out of fuel. The yeah. boat didn't get her messages.
1: Yeah. One of my uh, co-workers actually said, like, wasn't there a picture of her found, like, found of her where she's, like, on an island with her co-pilot? And you can see the plane in the background. So I did some research and I found the picture. Uh, I can't disprove the picture. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not s- personally. any. Not personally. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it kind of looks to be, like, of a woman of her stature in the picture. But her back is turned. And then there's a picture of, like, the guy who kind of looks like Fred Noonan. And then there's a picture of uh, her type of plane also in the background. So it was, like, very coincidental. very
0: coincidental.
1: Um, But I don't – it was hard to – it's a black and – very old black and white picture. So very hard to tell.
0: Wow. That's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think I'm probably going to do a little bit more research and reading on it because I'm just totally fascinated by it. Yeah, I got hooked on this.
0: (laughs) That's really cool.
1: Yeah, so enough about my person. How about you?
0: Um, who
1: did you bring to talk to us about?
0: I brought personally, like, she's here with us now. Oh, was, my gosh. <laughs> that would be pretty spooky. A uh, picture of her is here now. But um, I chose Hedy Lamar, who was a famous actress in the late 30s and early 40s, most famously. Like, she worked throughout... Um, most of her life up until I think like the 80s. Oh my gosh. Um, But her biggest contribution besides being the quote most beautiful woman in the world which uh, wouldn't we all like to be called that? (laughs) (laughs) Right Josh? Wouldn't you like to be called that? (laughs) Of course. But together with a composer um, she invented some technology which ultimately became um, well, led the way for what we now use in like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, um, because of this actress. So anyway, <clears throat> Hedwig Lamar was born Hedwig Eva Maria uh, Kiesler in. Wow, uh,
1: that's a name.
0: Yes, well, she was born in Austria in 1914. Okay. So her um, dad always encouraged her. She was always very curious about how things worked. Um, She was a tinkerer, and her dad encouraged her in that. Um, But she dropped out of school when she was 16 because she wanted to become a script girl for a local uh, movie studio. Mm -hmm. And she kind of, like, forced her way into that. Like, she showed up, and they were like, do you have any experience? And she was like, no, but I want to learn it. And they were like, that's fair. Yeah. And they gave it to her because they were like, man, she's got moxie. Yeah. Um, so she dropped out of school and her parents were like, not happy, obviously. Yeah. But well. she did anyway. Um, that led her to do uh, stage productions. And then ultimately what she wanted to do was become a movie actress, which she got her first role um, in a German movie. And here we go again with my awful pronunciations. Please forgive us. Gilda. <laughs> uh, Gelde- <laughs> Gildolf der Stress. How's that sound? Yeah, it sound? like That sounds fine. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, but her first and most, um, what, she's, what broke her into the industry was in 1933, a German film called Ecstasy. Imagine me saying that in the German way, obviously. Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, but it was a very successful film, but it was very scandalous. Um, for the 1930s, uh, she had a lot of skin exposed, um, it was very artistic. But it kind of followed with her for the rest of her life. Her parents were kind of disappointed in her for it. Um, She ended up marrying one of the most wealthiest men in Austria. His name was uh, Fritz Mandel of the Mandel Ammunitions Family. So I feel like you can kind of see where this is going. Like she marries into a man whose uh, family creates weaponry, she lives in Austria. he eventually goes down the road where he's selling and conspiring with the German military leading up to World yeah. War II. Um, so she ends up escaping Vienna. Um, she goes to London where she meets Louis Mayer, the head of MGM Studios. Ooh. Which is like, you're in this foreign city and then there's this man from Los Angeles who's always also in this foreign city was, like, meant to be.
1: What are the chances?
0: Right? So he offers her a contract um, for $125 a week for six months if she can manage to get herself to the United States. I think
1: that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, right?
0: For 1930s, yes, that's a (laughs) lot of money.
1: I could buy myself an airplane soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, So she turns it down because she thinks she can get better. You can kind of see that she's kind of got a lot of... Confidence in herself already. And she's, I mean, she's still like 19 years old at this point. She's been married once, fled all before she turns 20. Um, So she turns it down. Mayer ends up going back to the United States on a ship. She books a ticket for the same ship and she kind of works her way, schmoozing through all the (laughs) people on the boat. Um, She ends up getting off of the boat in Ellis Island as Hedy Lamar with a contract for MGM for $500 a week for seven years.
1: Go her, that's, that's, was, holy cow.
0: She really, when she puts her mind to it, she gets it done. Uh, so about $8,000 apparently for our time. Dang. I know, I my God. So she's like fresh off the boat, like living the dream. Um, they changed her name to Lamar because they thought Kiesler sounded too German in the current climate. That's yeah. very understandable. Okay. Um, they name her after an actress that was already signed to MGM named uh, Barbara Lamar, two separate words. Um, they use her name, uh, Mayer says, by replacing death with life, which is cool. Yeah. So, anyway, she's in Hollywood. She stars in her first Hollywood film in 1938 called Algiers. Um, she's working on big motion pictures with big names. She's in Samson and Delilah. Uh, she's called the most beautiful woman in the world. Everybody thinks she's gorgeous. She's super, super smart. But she's very reclusive. Um, tabloids have a hard time getting a lot of pictures of her out at parties and things like that.
1: See, yeah, I think that's how I would be if I was that famous. Yeah. <laughs> really reclusive. and.
0: <laughs> yeah. She ends up making friends with Howard Hughes, so, oh. who's also very reclusive. Yeah. Uh, turns out they have a lot in common. She still loves to tinker and invent things. And he gives her access to his team of engineers. So the reason why she's never seen at parties and things is because she's home working on inventions and stuff like that.
1: That's so cool though.
0: Yeah, she's a really smart lady. She spoke German, French, and English, but it turns out she couldn't actually write at this point in time in her life. She invented her own alphabet based off of the phonetic sayings in those languages.
1: That's crazy. Right? Because. You can't, uh, like, so she, she made up her own thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: based off of the way words are pronounced in those three different languages, not even just one. Wow. Just like how she associates them in the languages. So it's like you're already blowing my mind. Yeah. So World War II is starting ramping up. Um, it's about 1940, and a British transport ship called the SS City of Benares is hit by German torpedoes. And uh, she's horrified by this, particularly because only 13 of the 90 children on board survived, Ooh. not including the hundreds of adults that were on board. Yeah. And uh, she became determined to invent a counter weapon. Now she already has a basic sort of knowledge of these weapons, like torpedoes and things, right. because of overhearing things that her first husband were talking about yeah. um, when he was conspiring with these uh, high up German guys. Uh, so she gets in touch with George Antheil, I hope I'm saying that right too, um, sure. all these names, yeah. <laughs> um, who's actually working as a composer, because he's a pianist, and she originally goes to talk to him about voice, voice lessons, but she ends up getting on a discussion about World War II, of course, because she's so upset by all this. Yeah. She tells him that she doesn't feel comfortable sitting around in Hollywood making so much money while the world is sort of falling into chaos. Um, she tells him that she's thinking about quitting acting altogether and moving to DC so that she can make herself available to inventors um, <laughs> as like a a source of information because yeah. she thinks she has so much information on this stuff. Um, so that takes a lot of guts. Like you think yeah, I'm going to quit my career and I'm going <laughs> to help out with the war effort? You know? I can do it. Um, and then they get to talking, and she talks about how she wants to invent something. And she says, if a radio transmitter and receiver are synchronized to change their tuning simultaneously, hopping together randomly from frequency to frequency, then the radio signal passing between them cannot be jammed. So what she ends up kind of... What? Right? What she ends up kind of coming up with is called hopping frequencies. Um, So instead of uh, 60% of... U.S. torpedoes are unsuccessful because the enemy is actually able to jam the signal from them because at the time they're like remotely controlled. That's not a great
1: success rate.
0: No. Uh, So he comes up with a practical way to meet her idea. And together, uh, in 1942, they make a patent for what they call the secret communication system. Uh, I actually ended up using a piano roll to change the frequencies, and that's how his skill set came to be. Yeah, that's
1: really cool, actually. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Unfortunately, the Navy was reluctant to use it because they considered it too bulky was their excuse. Um, uh, Some say it was just that the military didn't want to rely on a non-military original idea.
1: I feel like you would want to take, like, all your advantages that, you know, you could. Right, you
0: know, that's kind of a good idea. Maybe we should start thinking about it. I don't know. It's the end. It's coming towards, like, the really, like, heavy part of the war. So maybe they just kind of, like, whatever. Um, So even though they had a patent for it, the military doesn't actually start using this system until the 60s in which their patent has expired. So they never actually, like reap any like monetary benefits or anything.
1: Suspicious. Yeah,
0: like their names are in the papers in the 40s for coming up with this idea because they've already applied and gotten their patent and everything. But it's never actually put uh, into use until the late 60s. Um, But then, like I said, it paved the way for what we now know as Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Uh, So in 1997, they both received the Electronic Frontier Foundation Pioneer Award and the Bolby-Nass Spirit of Achievement Bronze Award, um, which are given to individuals who creative lifetime achievements in the arts, sciences, business, or invention fields have significantly contributed to society. And they were also inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2014.
1: Nice. So yeah. this
0: beautiful face from Austria who fled before the start of World War II and became a super famous glamorous, gorgeous movie star in the United States actually um, made a valuable contribution against war efforts in her personal life and then invented something that became so common now that we use it all day, every day. We're using it right now. Yeah. And uh, some say it wouldn't be without her. So my book is Hedy's Folly by Richard Rhodes the life and breakthrough inventions of Hedy Lamar, the most beautiful woman in the world.
1: Yeah, I learned a lot just that. That <laughs> was crazy, man.
0: Right? And she actually died in Altamont Springs, which is where she lived towards the end of her life. Holy cow. Yeah. That's, really, was, close. Uh, in well, well, that's really close. Well, relatively close. Yeah. Well, oh, that's
1: fairly recent.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, she was 85. Her ashes were spread by her family in Vienna woods, and she was given an honorary grave in the in Vienna's central cemetery. Oh, well, that's
1: a nice sentiment.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really cool that she actually ended up being like here in Florida. Started in Austria, now she's here or was. <laughs> was <it? laughs> yeah.
1: Unbeknownst to us.
0: Yeah. Living here. So uh, she wasn't without her faults, you know. But because she was so headstrong, determined, courageous, we wouldn't have that without it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank
1: you for sharing that.
0: You're welcome. (laughs) All right, Josh. So, March is ending. April's coming. What's on the agenda for the library?
1: Nothing. Just kidding. I got something for you. (laughs) So, during uh, the month of March, we didn't have any of our American Sign Language classes um, for beginners. However, it is starting back up in April, uh, starting on April 2nd. That's a Monday. From 5.30 to 6.30 at the West Osceola branch. So don't miss that.
0: That's right.
1: American Sign Language is a great thing to learn. Looks really good on resumes. Yeah.
0: And it's free.
1: And it's free.
0: And it's very popular. And you do have to register for Ooh.
1: it. So keep that in mind. You can register through our website at osceolalibrary.org.
0: Yeah. And do that ASAP before it fills up like it always does.
1: It's a very popular program. So get on that.
0: Yes. All right. Well, it's been really great to uh, talk about women and their contribution to society during this Women's History Month, Um, which reminds me of another female icon, Rosie the Riveter. And just like her, we can do it. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs)